BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Shall I take your order or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. It's time for a refresher course. You longtime viewers will enjoy it. You new viewers may find it enlightening. It's kind of a fancy word for our show. I don't know if enlightening is exactly the way I would put it, but you're going to find it revealing because we use terms, I use terms, that everyone doesn't use. Frankly, many of the things we talk about on the show are unique to our show. We realize that. I have a little different way of looking at things. And I think explaining now and then what we're talking about is helpful to everybody, including myself. There is one term that we use a lot on this show, the system. Because everyone at this point in time knows what the deep state is. Right, deep state this and deep state that, and people have their own version of the deep state. But I have always maintained, and I still do to this day, the deep state, calling it a deep state, not that it's bad, you're underselling, underselling exactly what it means. Because when you think about something like the deep state, here's what you think about. This is human nature. You think about state employees. And don't get me wrong, it's a big problem, but you think about the IRS, FBI, 
DOJ, CIA, NSA, all these state groups, these government groups working together against you and against elected officials you like. And that, that's, that's, what, that's what comes to mind when you think about deep state, the swamp, Washington, D.C., right? But the truth is, it's so much bigger and more nefarious than that. If it was only the deep state, it would be a problem, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. The problem is it's much more than a deep state. The problem is it's a system. That's why I call it the system. You can think of it as, well, the thing that really controls everything in our culture. Now, now what is it? Who are these people? Name names. Give me some details. I'm going to give you an example of it in just a second. Just to set it up, I want to make sure that I reemphasize this. Equality is a lie. It's something that has been used to usher in equity and communism in this country. But this is something, and this is going to come into play in a moment, equality. We're all equal. No, we're not. None of us are equal. That's a lie. Oh, soul's equal in the eyes of God, maybe, but you're not equal to me. I'm not equal to you. We're made different, different flaws, different skills, made for different purposes. I'm not equal to the guy on the sidewalk. You're not equal to this. Equality is something that doesn't exist. And here's something else that's true, and people find this hard to accept, because we all like to imagine ourselves as being important, right? I'm no different. I want to be important. I have a TV show. I have a radio show. I'm important. Eh, not really. Not really. We have different levels of importance when it comes to the direction of society. We're not all equal. That's ridiculous. If you are a teacher, maybe you're a school teacher. We have a bunch of teachers. Believe it or not, there are a bunch of anti-communist teachers out there. We have a bunch of teachers that listen to the show. You have an important job, of course. Guiding young minds, it's a very important job. You're going to have some influence as a teacher in what the future of the country looks like. Are you Lord High Commander? Of course not. But every year, 20, 30 kids come into your classroom and they're given guidance by you for an hour, two hours, three hours a day. They're younger, even longer. Okay, so you have a level of importance. Let's call it here. Well, if you're in construction, you know, that's how I grew up. Construction guy. I'm a construction guy. My dad was, his dad was. And that's a great job. Great living, good hard work, keep you alive longer, good exercise. I'm glad you're doing it. We need construction guys, but you're not, you're not where the teacher is as far as importance goes, as far as influencing the culture. Now, what you do matters. Matters for you, your family, your paycheck. It matters to build the world around us, but as far as influences the society goes, the teacher is above you. Different people have different levels of influence. So let's talk about what the system is. The system is this. Cultures, all of them, whether it be a nation, America, a big nation, 300 million people, or whether it's a tiny tribe of 100 people out in the Australian outback, cultures have pillars on which the culture itself rests. The most important things. What's most important in a society? Is your local book club important to society? Eh, not really. Is the religion of the society? Yes, very. That's one of your cultural pillars, religion. Media, how information is shared about things. Education, hugely important pillar. Business, the business part of your society, hugely important. The government, huge. These are the big pillars that hold up every society, the most important things. Everything isn't equal. The problem we have in America, the problem we have in the system is 
our most important pillars have all been taken over and governed now by the same cultural Marxist ideology. They all now, instead of serving as a check on each other, now they're all working together at all times and they're always working against you. You see, the deep state is simply one of those pillars, very, very important, don't get me wrong, but it wouldn't be the end of the world if the other pillars were keeping it in check, but they're not. You see, the deep state, they work right with the media. They work right with social media now. They work right with various other pillars always against you. You want an example? Here's a great example. The George Floyd thing. This is maybe the best example. Now, what happened? Let's go ahead and recap this. This is an important part, not because of the case itself, not because St. George Floyd matters or the cops matter or anything else. This is a great example of the kind of culture you have now and the damage that can be done with a corrupted system. You woke up one day and there was this terrible video floating around the internet. And then it got from the internet to the news. What was on the video? What was on the video was there was this cop, white cop, with what looked like his knee on the back of the neck of some sweaty shirtless black dude on the pavement. The black dude was kind of crying out. He didn't look well. He didn't sound well. And you're looking at this video. The cops are standing around. The knee looks like it's on the neck. Oh my gosh. And then, and then the guy dies. And right away, you're watching. And you know, as a human being, it doesn't look good, doesn't sound good. Doesn't really matter where you fall in the whole thing. It was kind of ugly. No one wants to watch somebody sit there and die and sweaty. It was terrible. But that didn't mean didn't mean we needed massive policy changes across the country. It didn't mean corporations had to realign themselves. The government had to realign itself. Okay, there's one internet video. Let's figure out what's wrong. Okay, where was this? Minneapolis? Okay, well, hopefully Minneapolis you know, investigates. If there's someone did something wrong, hopefully that... But that's not what happened, did it? What happened was the system, all those cultural pillars, realized that they had been presented with an opportunity. They had been presented with an opportunity to crush more of your freedoms, to attack more of what you value, to push what they want forward. And so they used this internet video to shape our entire culture for six months to a year. You still see little remnants of it out there. Do you remember you remember DJs dropping beats on rooftops to George Floyd, the drug dealer? So this record is in honor of George Floyd. And I really hope we can see more unity and more peace when already things are so difficult. So shout out to his family. of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream. I have a dream. Okay, that's what? And all, all of a sudden... George Floyd's statues, some, many are still standing, all of them actually are still standing, begin popping up across the country. There were George Floyd funeral services, multiple funeral services across the country. We had 
not just Democrats, Republican senators like Tim Scott deciding because of one internet video in Minneapolis that the cops were the problem in the urban black community, which is ridiculous. And you can hate cops all you want. I don't care what you feel. I don't do universal back to blue. I don't do universal cops are evil. Everyone who does that kind of stuff is stupid. Each incident is on his own. But all of a sudden, it was just the thing to do on the left and the right. The cops suck. The cops are the problem. The cops are ruining the black community. We had politicians and the media, those important pillars out there, in the wake of one internet video calling for the defunding of police. In Oakland tonight, defunding the police has become a reality. The L.A. City Council has taken its first step in defunding the LAPD. Today, the council voted to cut the budget by $150 million. Do we agree that we can redirect some of the funding? Yes. I do believe that we need to re reallocate resources away. So yes, defund your butts. The city council passed the New York City budget, which includes redistributing $1 billion from the NYPD budget. Yes, I support the reallocation of resources uh, from NYPD. We have to reimagine public safety. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. What? <laughs> she still wrapped your mind around how crazy that was? And as the system began to build this narrative, right? Black people were oppressed in America. The cops are the problem. Defund the police. These things are all things that would have been insane to the normal American five minutes before St. George Floyd died. Now the system's building this narrative and building this narrative. And this is where you're going to see all the cultural pillars. As I've said, that was the, the media. That was the politicians already. Professional athletes. Another cultural pillar, athletic performance is an important part of your culture. Athletics, it's, it's a reason it's a part of tiny tribes too. It's part of what brings people together. Together, well, we don't have that pillar. The system has taken that pillar in too. Here's LeBron James. Having, you know, two boys of my own and, and me being an African-American in, in America and to see um, what continues to happen with the police brutality towards my kind, um, continue to see what the... Uh, what goes on with the, the just the unjust, um, it's just, it's very troubling. The unjust. <laughs> yes, LeBron and LeBron's kids definitely in a lot of trouble of getting in a bad run-in with the cops. I can't stop. But again, the more ridiculous it got, the more it seemed to feed on itself. Soon, you had Black Lives Matter plastered across NBA courts. NFL fields, and racism. This simply became a thing. And then it began to bleed from the obvious cultural pillars. Then this is what happens. It began to bleed into the right. You, you saw this over and over and over again. I remember seeing it. I remember looking on in horror. Hold on, what? You'd see these people who you normally trust, normally go to for truth, they would, in response to all this pressure from the system, hey, whitey, don't you have anything to say? You'd see people, wow, well, I mean, we do have a lot of racism. No, no, I do uh, prison reform. We definitely need some prison reform, for sure. It's a, it is a racist country, after all. George Floyd, what happened with St. George Floyd, it was a system in action. That's what you saw. They can create a false narrative out of nothing and totally change the direction of a nation. I remember this. This might be the best example. I remember my son logging into one of his video games. And he says, Dad, come look. Dad, come quick. 
because they have these loading screens with the video games loading up. And I run in and they had done an update on the video game and updated it. So the loading screen when you load it in was about black Americans and how oppressed they are in this country. And it is unjust, the video game. That's the system running everything, controlling the narrative at all times. So they can constantly put insane concepts out there and get half the country or more to either believe it or succumb. That's what we're up against. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I am right. We have an outstanding show for you tonight. The great Lee Smith joins us next. What does it need to master the future? I think to have a platform where all stakeholders of global society are engaged. What does that mean? What do these words mean? Joining me now, my friend, the great Lee Smith, author of the book, The Permanent Coup. Lee, let's actually begin right there. For so many people who are just getting into this stuff and they're waking up to this evil thing going on around them and they don't really understand what it is, they can't put it into words. Would you please describe what exactly these people are talking about when they always talk about mastering the future and stakeholders? What's a stakeholder? Jesse, I gotta tell you, whenever I see Klaus Schwab, uh, it always occurs to me that he'd be more understandable if he was a maitre d' at an upscale, Nazi-themed fondue restaurant, because that's how seriously um, I think people should be taking Klaus Schwab. These are lunatics, and I think it's important to understand what the World Economic Forum is really about. And I, I, I think it's basically an upscale think tank that is um, collecting money. The real problem I think that we have as Americans is the people who are now in charge of our federal government. Can you make that connection? Because that was actually going to be the next thing I asked you. World yeah. Economic Forum. Okay, we hear about these meetings in Switzerland and World Economic Forum and stakeholders. But then we talk about our own corrupt system and our own you know, late stage Republican. What's the connection there? What's our people's connection with these people? I, I, I think actually, frankly, at this point, I think the World Economic Forum has become something like a, um, a cover for a U.S.-China consortium, right? I mean, a lot of this stuff, the World Economic Forum, I mean, their center of power is in Europe. It's been going on for more than half a century now. Klaus Schwab uh, founded it. He's in charge of it. But remember, he's also a protege of Henry Kissinger. The way that I see the World Economic Forum is, is that the real power behind it, and if you look at the money that goes to the World Economic Forum, a lot of this money is American money. Right. I think that what they're doing is I think uh, our own global elites here in the United States are using the World Economic Forum in some ways to legitimize their own program here in the United States and their ambitions abroad. Look, I think it's absolutely correct that you and I, we look at the United States and we say it's crazy. Every the United States isn't crazy. Our leaders are crazy. Everything they're doing, whether it's uh, 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 from a woke military to open borders, it's absolutely nuts. But 
the globalists still perceive and understand the United States to be a powerful empire with, with lots of resources and lots of money. So I think that's what the World Economic Forum actually is. It's an instrument for our global elites to project power, um, certainly in Europe, and again, to be able to uh, to be able to uh, make certain connections with the Chinese that would be untenable if it were happening, um, if it were happening in, in, uh, under other circumstances. What connections with the Chinese? To what end? Why do we want connections with the Chinese? Because I mean, I, because the United States. Well, first of all, the big thing is the corporate and political elites see China as an enormous um, as an enormous asset. I mean, that's this is the source of their wealth, their power, and their prestige, and this has been going on for decades. So the relationship, I mean, the relationship with China is their center of gravity, right? If you look at um, if you look at Wall Street, if you look at Hollywood, if you look at the university system, if you look at big tech, these things do not have the power, and certainly not the money, without their, you know, w without offshoring a whole bunch of resources. To China without a large Chinese market. That's how Hollywood perceives it. So China is, is extremely important for our elite. And that's why I say when people are looking, um, when a Republican-led Congress is looking to target China, looking to push back hard on China, I think that's great. However, the big problem is there is an enormous wall between uh, between pro-America Americans and the Chinese Communist Party, and that's American elites. That's our fundamental problem. While China is our uh, strategic threat, our main strategic threat, the fact is they are partnered with key members of the American establishment. Okay. The Biden family obviously is part of this whole thing, and deep. Well, there's many people. The Biden family is just one example. I don't consider them to be leading anything. But what what you're describing, and I don't disagree, is China and our elites partnering against us. Is what it sounds like, Lee. That it sounds like these people are joining forces against us. Absolutely. Look, I mean, w w one of the things that we talk about, one of the things that's hurt the United States, as we know, is offshoring the manufacturing base. And we heard, you know, two decades ago, um, as the Clinton administration, um, as the as the Clinton administration gave China most favored na nation stat, permanent most favored nation status in trade. And then under George W. Bush, China uh, came into the World Trade Organization. And what were people saying? Oh, Americans don't need manufacturing. The United States doesn't need to be able to make anything. We'll move into um, services and, and, and such things like that. What, what people need to understand is they knew at the time what this was going to do to the American middle class. The working class and the American middle class they knew what was going to happen to the manufacturing sector. They knew how much it was going to hurt their political opponents. And they know what it's doing now as well. They're going after the small business base. They've been doing it for decades. And China is a significant part of their own strategic plans against the middle class, against small business, against entrepreneurs, against the middle of the country. That's the that's the larger goal. China is fundamental 
to the elite's war against the American public. Okay, now this is when people step in, and I get these emails all the time, Lee, of saying, Jesse, to one end, I don't understand if these people are working, our leaders are working with China to torch our country, aren't they gonna be left with a torched country? What good does it rule that why would they work against their own country? Explain. A, a, a lot of these people for a long time, you'll hear people talk, and Henry Kissinger, of course, uh, he and Richard Nixon were responsible for opening China. Remember their 1972 trip to Beijing? And Henry Kissinger has rationalized a lot of these things in terms of watching a declining America. So a lot of these people believe that America is in decline. Of course, they've steered us in that direction. So they believe, and, and they not only believe, they promote and they advocate the CCP's largest messaging operation, which is China is inevitable, China is indomitable, China is all powerful. Do not resist. If you jump on board, there will be rewards. Anyone who resists will find it's futile. And so that, 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 that's what they're doing it. They, 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 they have no stake in the United States and the success of the United States. Look at what's happening under the Biden administration. Look at what the climate change agenda is, how they've shoved this down the throat of school kids now for generations. And what is the climate agenda about? It's about transferring American middle-class wealth and American power to Chinese Communist Party elites. That's who makes all the climate change agenda infrastructure, whether it's wind turbines, whether it's batteries for electric vehicles, whether it's solar panels. And nonetheless, these people keep pushing for this same agenda and they know precisely where it goes to. It's the same thing with destroying our fossil fuel industry. That is the core of American power, real, genuine, patriotic American power. And they want to destroy that and instead empower the Chinese Communist Party. We have to admit, we, it's a very painful thing for Americans to acknowledge. We're used to reading in history books how this happens to, how you have an elite who lose their minds and they go out and they sell out their country and they destroy their country. We have to acknowledge right now the reality, this is what's happening to us. We have to understand the nature of the people. Look, the fact that Donald Trump won the White House in 2016 shows that many Americans understand what's going on. We have to keep that in mind. This is the nature of our struggle right now to preserve our, con or to, to win back our constitutional republic. The problem is the people who are leading us. Lee Smith, you're the best man, come back soon. Thank you, Jesse, love you, man. See you soon. Speaking of deep state and the system, how about a former CIA ops guy, Brian Dean Wright? Let's break down the bias. How does that even happen? Hang on. have different rules for Democrats or Republicans, different rules for the powerful or the powerless, different rules for the rich or for the poor. We apply uh, the facts and the law in each case in a neutral, nonpartisan manner. Oh, of course. Oh, I don't know how many bias. I totally believe him. I bet Brian does too. Joining me now, 
host of the Daily President's Daily Brief podcast, under 20 minutes every day. It's freaking outstanding. Brian Dean Wright. Brian, look, the DOJ isn't biased. Stop being one of these conspiracy theorists. Well, if that were only true. So what's embarrassing about his statement is the Department of Justice itself, the, the inspector general, has already said that the head of the FBI had some bias when he leaked classified sensitive information to the New York Times. Of course, James Comey leaking that to the Times to handicap then-President Donald Trump. So we already have a, a an, uh, you know, established pattern, as it were, of someone at the very top of, of both the DOJ and the FBI trying to handicap someone based on politics. So his statement is just ridiculous on the face of it. Brian, okay, so that we have an administrative state that votes all Democratic, I think it's like 94% or something crazy like that. This is something like people on the right already know. Yes, exactly right, like our journalists. How did it get that way? That seems like such an insane thing for a country to allow to happen. And it seems like a suicidal thing, to be frank. It just seems like the end of a nation. How did we allow that to happen? How'd that happen? Yeah, I think what you would probably see is over the past 20 or 30 years, the administrative state, you know, unelected bureaucrats are increasingly those who have like masters and PhDs, advanced education, which of course, there's a direct correlation between when folks have those kinds of degrees and then when they end up voting, they tend to vote for Democrats. So I think that's a big part of the explanation. And then you kind of get this tribal experience, right? So when you start working around a certain number of people who all have generally speaking the same party affiliation or beliefs, well, you feel a little bit nervous and anxious to speak up against that. And so you don't. And so either you join that crowd or you keep very, very quiet. So I think that's probably, you know, those two reasons are a big reason uh, or part of why we've got this administrative state that is so wildly in one direction. Brian, you were CIA ops, right? So people like to imagine CIA, FBI, they like to imagine these guys as being, you know, the pipe hitter types. And then we're constantly disappointed when it's revealed that this CIA director or this FBI guy is a piece of trash. But there is a disconnect between the guys in the field and the nerds behind the desk, is there not? Oh, absolutely. Look, the, most of your operators, particularly at the CIA, are tend to be conservative. And it's because we deal with all the scumballs out in the world. I mean, the, the, the terrorists and the prime ministers who are rotten. We listen to the, the phone calls. We read the emails of these people. We know who they are. We, our, our eyes are very much open. Uh, to the the horrific nature of, of lots of companies and uh, governments around the world. So you that's why you find a lot uh, more conservative leaning folks uh, politically on the operational uh, the operational side. The analytical side, those are kind of the folks who typically lean a lot further left. They're further, uh, you know, distance from the field and seeing some of the nasty, gross things that us operators get to see. And so it's a much more kind of academic conversation for them about what's happening in the world. These are the people with the masters and PhDs that's sitting up in the uh, the ivory towers. So there's a definitely a disconnect inside the intelligence community and inside the CIA itself of who leans in which direction politically. Kevin McCarthy had some interesting things to say about kicking Schiff and Swalwell off their committees. Here it was. The Intel Committee is different. You know why? Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee, although the secrets are going on in the world, other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the Intel Committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the inspector general said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, 
He used it before an election to read politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russians. When he knew different, when he knew the intel, he used his position as chairman, knowing he has information the rest of America does not and lied to the American public. When a whistleblower came forward, he said he, he did not know the individual, even though his staff had met with him and set it up. So no, he does not have a right to sit on that. And if you want to talk about Swalwell, let's talk about Swalwell, because you have not had the briefing that I had. I had the briefing and Nancy Pelosi had the briefing from the FBI. The FBI never came before this Congress to tell the leadership of this Congress that Eric Swalwell had a problem with a Chinese spy until he served on intel. So it wasn't just us who were concerned about it. The FBI was concerned about putting a member of Congress on the intel committee that has the rights to see things that others don't because of his knowledge and relationship with a Chinese spy. Brian, tell people about the House Intel Committee. The only thing I know about it was uh, all my time on Capitol Hill campaigning, trying to raise money, things like that, or just seeing friends. You go by all these, you're down the halls, and you see all these committees, the label's on the hall, right? It's right there in the hall. This is where the House, you know, uh, House Armed Services Committee meets and whatnot. And then you get to this locked away area with an armed guard and sealed doors, and you see that's where the House Intel Committee meets. And I never got to go in, obviously, but what is this place? Yeah, well, first of all, let me just mention about the, the McCarthy, what he just said. Put that in my veins, man. That is so good. He is spot on. But as for these intelligence oversight committees, there's one in the House and there's one in the Senate. And these came about really back uh, all the way into the 1970s after there were some really horrific things the intelligence community was doing on behalf of the American people, allegedly. And so basically what Congress was supposed to do from that point on is provide a lot of oversight of different intelligence operations, especially covert action operations. That's typically what gets the CIA and other intelligence organizations in a lot of trouble. They basically are, are responding to the president who says, go out and kill this person or that group of people or blow up that building or sabotage that ship, etc." That's the stuff that the, the intelligence oversight committees on both the House and the Senate are supposed to be monitoring to make sure it doesn't go off the rails legally and then to watch the performance of it. Is it effective? Right? Does it actually accomplish the, the goals that, that the president has set out? So those oversight committees are supposed to be doing those kinds of things. The question is, are the people on those committees actually qualified to do that work? Do they understand the intelligence community? Because again, the IC or the intelligence community is full of a bunch of liars. I mean, we are paid and trained to learn how to lie to people abroad. So are we doing that, of course, through the oversight committees? That's an important question. So you got to staff those with really smart people. Is Eric Squalwell a really smart person? I don't think so. He also has this clear problem in terms of a counterintelligence issue. That's a second massive concern. So there really is a, a really problem when you don't staff these oversight committees with smart people who know what they're looking for. Okay, finally. You mentioned earlier we read the emails of these bad guys, foreign bad guys. Americans are understandably concerned about an intelligence community now full of Democrat activists that has the ability to read emails, listen to phone calls, read text messages. How concerned should we Americans be about these spies who have apparently set their eyes on us? Well, look, it's an absolutely fair concern. And again, that's why these committees are so important is to make sure that they are looking constantly 
at what are these searches all about and why are you engaging in these searches for any kind of U.S. citizen or person? Now, t- there are rules and laws that, that folks in the NSA and the CIA are supposed to be following before they do any of that kind of stuff. There are some hinky little little shortcuts that some of these operators will take if they want to, let's say, spy on an ex-boyfriend or an ex-wife or something, right? There are those cases. I remember them when I worked at the agency and those folks were fired. But the issue is when you've got these highly politicized individuals willing potentially to use those powers for ill, who's watching over that? The inspector general, the leaders of these agencies like James Comey, all right, it ends up you know, incentivizing people to use these powers for their own political ends. And when James Comey gets off scot-free with doing what he did, that just incentivizes people to do it even more, right? So I think that the American people have every right to be asking, hey, have we given the NSA and the CIA too much power? Do we need to rein that in? There are actually some Democrats who also believe this is a problem. Uh, Ron Wyden is a senator in Oregon. I will tip my hat to him and say he is one guy who's been on top of this privacy issue for a long time of both the CIA and the NSA. So yes, it, it really is a bipartisan concern. It should be nonpartisan. There are some profound powers. And oh, by the way, the numbers of people in the intelligence community, the numbers of employees has ballooned over the past 25 years. That we should also be looking at because we have too many people with now profound powers that unfortunately some percentage of them are going to be engaged in impropriety. We should be concerned about that. Wonderful. Brian Dean Wright, host of the President's Daily Brief podcast. Thank you, brother. As always. All right. I call it the system. Aaron McIntyre calls it the total state, but I like that what he calls it. Let's talk to him about that and why. Next. deep state or the system as I explained that's why I call it why I call it but I actually really like what Aaron calls it joining me now Aaron McIntyre host at the blaze he's got an outstanding substack and actually the title of his substack is what I wanted to ask him about because he calls it the total state and I think that is so appropriate and true but let's let him describe it in his own words it's his substack not mine Aaron why do you call it the total state what is that well, thanks for having me, Jesse. Yeah, the reason I call it the total state is it's so difficult for people today to kind of understand what's happening around them. When we look at, you know, Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia, we understand a total state in that sense, that there's a top-down, you know, specific official authority that is organizing the state and its influence and everything we see around us. But kind of our Western liberal democracies, we notice that there's a lot of coordination between businesses, government, educational institutions, the media. And we say to ourselves, there's no official Politburo. There's no people who are supposed to be directly coordinating that. But somehow it seems like they're still always on message. Harvard, uh, you know, agrees with the New York Times, agrees with, you know, your CNN outlets. Everyone is kind of in sync. And the question is, if you don't have a specific person doing this, what's going on? And so when I talk about the total state, I'm talking about this decentralized network. Some people have called it the cathedral. 
it's this network of different influencers, people who share the same values, who have the same ethical framework and the same beliefs, and they tend to share the same class, the same power structure inside Washington and in corporations. And when they all work together, we end up with a total state, one that looks a little different from the ones, of course, that you've seen in the past, but one that nonetheless is very capable of censoring people and controlling the things that they think about, the things that they express and the way they live their lives. Aaron, can you explain the shame factor and how that comes into play? Because I talk about this stupid sky is green theory all the time. But the truth is, the system or the total state really could convince a bunch of people the sky is green. But more than that, they could convince a bunch of people, hey, man, it's just easier if you just said it was green. Just just go along with everything and stop, stop worrying. Look, we'll shame you if you don't. Shame is a big part of all this. Sure, everybody wants to be popular. Everybody wants to be seen as high class, seen part of, as part of the ruling class. Everyone wants that social status. We can deny that all we want, but that's just how humans work. And so when the people who hand out status, the people who control all the status granting institutions in your society have a particular way of thinking, a particular outlook on social issues, they can ascribe that to other people's viewpoints. And so that's why, for instance, the left loves to portray anybody who has certain positions on, say, marriage or on the way that we should educate our young people. They like to portray those people as backwards. They like to put them in places that have been coded as low class, like, you know, uh, trailer parks, that kind of thing, so that when people push back, they can easily be shoved into a box of being discredited. It's not like everyone who holds those opinions just suddenly disappeared off the planet or suddenly all got put into these low status you know, professions or whatever, but by continually pushing this message, making it clear that if you're one of these people who pushes back, you might not be allowed at the right cocktail parties, you might not be able to access the next rung on the ladder, they make sure to apply that social pressure, which to be clear is prevalent in every society. The only question is which outlook is being pushed by those institutions. You have a great column up. I want people to go read it on The Blaze about neutrality. It's one of these things that has driven me crazy for the long time about the right. Most people, in fact, most people watching both of us talk right now have probably uttered words like this in their lives. I wish we would get politics out of education or something along the line. Get politics out of sports. Can we get politics out of education, Arn? Well, one of the things we have going on is a culture war. And one of the things that the left was able to do, one of the ways it was able to enter into all these institutions like sports, education, all these places, was by arguing for cultural neutrality. It's this liberal notion, and by this I mean classical liberal, not progressive, that you'll be governed by these you know, very specific institutions, these institutions that are objective, that are run by experts, and they'll come up with all the best policy. They'll be the ones that figure out how to do everything most efficiently and they won't enforce anyone's morality. But of course, that's not how any of this works. All institutions are following some kind of moral framework, some kind of moral vision. They will make decisions based on that vision. And when they do so, they will communicate and transmit those values to the people they're overseeing. So whether you're watching sports on TV or whether your kids are in the classroom or whether you're sitting in the boardroom at work, Whenever you have to live under people who are making decisions according to a certain way of seeing the world, a certain moral vision, 
you will be impacted by that. So we can hopefully one day get to the point where we have a shared culture where it doesn't feel like politics is being shoved into every one of these things. But in the middle of, of a culture war and a situation where people are scrambling for control of every single one of these institutions, they will attempt to shove these politics into everything and just standing back and saying, well, my team doesn't do that. We don't believe that we play by the rules of neutrality. The other team doesn't believe that they do what's necessary to win. And if you continue to just pitch yourself as the team of neutrality, you're always going to lose. The people we share our culture with want to show four and five-year-olds, well, how to change their gender and things like that. Uh, take a look at this video. I'm sure you've seen it. And the friend likes to ask the question, are you a boy or a girl? And Mash answers, I'm just a kid. But a kid. But kids can be boys or girls. They can be boys yeah. or girls. Or yeah. Or maybe non-binary. Yeah. So Nash, just like me, is non-binary. So they aren't sure if they're a boy or a girl. So when people ask them, are you a boy or a girl? Right now they just feel like saying, I'm a kid. They're figuring it out. Aaron, I, I'm actually not even going to be mean here for once. I'm just going to be very frank. Uh, I don't want to share a culture with that person. Person, I don't want to share a country. I don't really want to share a planet, but either way, I don't want my sons to grow up and raise families in a culture where that person has influence. But that person and that way of thinking has a lot. So how does this end? Because there are tens of millions of Americans who think like me. Everyone watching us talk right now looks at that and thinks, okay, we're not living together. How does this end? Well, progressives, again, knew that neutrality was always bunk. It was a way to enter into the conversation, but their goal was always to remove you from it. I've seen a lot of Christians after some of these sports figures, like the hockey player who recently refused to wear a pride jersey, uh, was viciously attacked by the left. And they say, where is my tolerance? Where's the tolerance I was promised when I extended it to the left in the culture beforehand? And the answer is, it's never coming. You can sit around and demand it, but they never intended to extend it to you. Look, the progressive religion wants to preach the mutilation of children. They want to, you know, inform 12-year-olds on how to change their gender. They want to feed puberty blockers to eight-year-olds. That religion cannot coexist with people who want their kids going to church and learning, you know, about America's founding fathers. These are two competing religions. Progressives realize that, and, they're in, and their indication is that they want to purge those that disagree with them. That's why they viciously attack anyone who has any of these beliefs and try to remove them from power as soon as possible. The truth is either they're going to expel people who have traditional values and understandings, or they will be expelled from these positions of power. That's all there is to it. These two systems will not coexist. Liberalism cannot mediate this with some kind of neutral institution. There will be a winner and there will be a loser. Remember it. Aaron, appreciate you, man. Come back soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. I, I have some final thoughts. Next. There will be a winner and there will be a loser. We just got done talking about that with Aaron. I just want you to remember that this is the one thing I want you to take from this whole show on the deep state and the system and everything else. We're not going to get along. We're not going to live together. We will win 
or they will win. All right? Let's fight like we intend to win. We'll do it again. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, U.S. service members and first responders who die or are catastrophically injured in the line of duty and homeless veterans. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us by the men and women who risked their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs walks and climbs a year and dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about America's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Five months have passed since Hamas brutally attacked Israel, launching a vicious war for Israel's very survival. As Israel fights for her existence, so many people around the world, even in America, Israel's greatest ally, have turned their backs on the Israeli people right when they need friends the most. Friends like us. The International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is on the ground in Israel, delivering critically needed emergency supplies to those suffering right now. There is an immediate 
immediate need for essentials like food, medicine, and emergency supplies for hundreds of thousands of suffering Jews. Many cannot return to their homes because of rocket fire in the north from Hezbollah. Israel is in desperate need, and that's why I'm partnering with the fellowship today. Every donation is urgently needed. To give to IFCJ, visit supportifcj.org. That's one word supportifcj.org your gift will be matched to double in impact and help provide twice the support supportifcj.org god bless and thank you